here with Edoek Brooks, the Wealth Instigator, which I love the title. Um, she is passionate about teaching women how to invest and manage their own finances while maintaining a balanced lifestyle. And today we're going to talk all about giving a dime about your money, four steps to control your finances. So welcome, Edoek. I'm super excited to be talking to you today. Thank you so much, Maria. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an awesome summit. And I'm just so glad that we can reach out to people like this. This is really great. Thank you. Awesome. So first question, what does it mean to give a dime about your money? So just basically in the not so foul terms, it's like just giving, giving, giving a crap about what happens with your money. Because I feel like every day we are always hit with the oh my gosh, what just happened? Like we always, um, that feeling where you go to the grocery store and you're about to buy stuff. And this has happened to me so many times where I have to like quickly check my bank account to make sure I have enough money to buy groceries. So it's just like coasting through life and not really knowing what's happening with your money. You get paid every paycheck and you just spend, spend, spend. And then you run out of money. Like what happened? Where exactly did my money go? I feel like that's the question a lot of us ask ourselves. I don't know. I know I get, I got paid $2,000 but I don't know what I spend that $2,000 on. Like, I know I pay rent or my mortgage. Like, that's like the, the significant things that you can remember. But everything else is like, you can't put a finger on where your money went. So giving a damn about your money is just basically understanding where your money is going, how much is coming in and how much is going out and having a grip of this is how my money, just being very intentional about your money. So that's what giving a dime about my money is all about. All right. So let's just jump in then from there. So what are four steps that women can take to be more in control of their finances? So the very first thing when it comes to giving a damn about your money is understanding your money habits. Um, I feel like a lot of times we want to jump into the budgeting and the paying of debt and all of those things that are great. But if you don't understand how you handle money and how you relate to money, it's going to be very difficult for you to actually get a handle of what's going on. And a lot of times you read books and they say you have to follow this strict regimen. And we think that that's what we need. And then we start and then we realize that that thing's not working for us. So you need to first understand how you relate to money, how you handle money, how you perceive money, what are your values? What are some of the triggers, the things that trigger you to want to spend money? Once you fully understand that, then you can take all of the steps. Um, you can have like a plan that is more suited to you and something that you can stick to. Because if you try to follow my plan, it might not work for you because my circumstances are different from the other person. So if you try to follow some other person's plan that you read their blog, you might try it and then it doesn't work out for you. It's just like dieting or exercise and stuff like that. There's certain things that people do and I'm just like, that's great and lovely. I love that that's working for you. But if I try to do that, that's not going to work for me. So the key thing in understanding your, your money habits is first understanding what your triggers are. So what are some of the things that make you want to spend money? A lot of times, some people, when they're stressed out, they tend to spend money more or when they're, uh, when they're not feeling too confident about a certain situation, when you're feeling insecure, I feel like that's how I feel when I go, whenever I start to feel insecure about my body, like I'm putting on a little weight, I go overboard with like buying gym clothes and it's like, oh, this is going to motivate me to exercise more. But at the end of the day, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's just that 
feeling that I'm doing something about it. I'm doing something about my exercising. So I go on a, on a whole thing and start spending money. I buy protein shakes. I buy all these things and then it doesn't happen. So understanding those triggers and then finding ways to help you with those triggers that doesn't have to do with money. So doing something else instead of, okay, now I understand that what's going on right now is that I'm insecure. So what can I do about those insecurities before I go on a binge or a binge and start spending money? So understanding that one thing that help, helps me is journaling. Always when I start to have like super um, overwhelming thoughts, I start to journal to understand and process my thoughts. Another thing is therapy. Therapy helps. I know therapy involves spending money, but the money that you spend on therapy will be so much less than the money that you end up spending on your credit card and just buying stuff that you don't need. So those are the two things that will really help you understand what's going on in your life and just kind of help you um, get a grip of and kind of handle that situation instead of trying to like spend and using that spending to kind of compensate for what's going on. And then the second thing is knowing what you value. And there are some people that value material things, but they think it's bad. It's not bad. People think that if you're someone that, oh, I value things over experiences, they think that that's not a good thing. There are people that value experiences. They would value time traveling or spending time with your family and things like that. If that's you, that's fine. But you need to understand what you value. But the thing is, some people, they think that, oh, it's not good for me to say that I value things because that will look like I'm materialistic. But if you try to always suppress that feeling, you're never going to be happy whenever you spend money. That's why people always have that buyer's remorse. It's like, I just bought stuff. I shouldn't have bought this. But if that's who you are, you need to accept it and now figure out how to deal with who you are. So it's just like when you're trying to be someone else, you're never going to be happy. So when you fully accept that this is who you are, but now that you've understood that this is who you are, you're able to create a money system that kind of guides you and helps you handle your money better. Another thing is, are you a saver or are you a spender? Automatically, people will be like, oh, it's good to be a saver. Like being a spender is bad, but you can be both or you can be accept that you're a spender. And then once you accept that, you understand that I am someone that likes to spend money. So how can I, because I am not a natural saver, I have to create a system that will help me save money better. But if you try to deny it and be like, oh, I'm going to try to save like 60% of my income and not spend anything, that could be successful. You can do that for like maybe two, three months. And after that, you just go on, like, you just go back to like even worse than you started. And that's kind of how I was when I started my journey. I realized that I was, I, I knew I was a spender. I always like to spend money. Like I get this super rush feeling when I walk into Sephora, I walk into HomeSense, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just want to buy everything. But then I was like, oh, I should save more. I should save more. I should be more of a saver. So I started forcing myself to try to save money and I'll try. I'll be really good at it. I remember one time that I had like this savings account. Like once I get my paycheck, I'll immediately send some money to my savings account. And then um, I would then back then when we didn't have all these online accounts, I'll go to the bank and then I'll say, oh, can you transfer the money to my savings back to my. Um... So what I did was I put um, 
I put a hold on the account, right? Because I was like, I was trying to like help myself not spend money. But every time I walk into the bank and like literally every other day and I'm like, oh, can you take the hold off and transfer $200 to my check-in? And then I remember with the teller, she's just like, she's like, girl, why are you deceiving yourself? She's like, because you're making that because they have to call a manager to kind of take the hold off of the account. She's like, just put the money in your checking account. You're going to spend it anyways. And I was like, I was like, mind your business in my head. I was just like, what's your problem? <laughs> but at the end of the day, when you understand that this is who you are, you know that I am a spender. And because of that, I need to create a system that will work for me so that I can save more money. So understanding all of those things that you value, some people value safety over security, understanding all of these different um they call them the money tendencies. When you fully understand who you are when it comes to money, it just makes it a lot easier for when you want to start to like create a system that works. Because if you're listening to someone that saves and that person can, they can save, like I, I follow the FIRE community and I see people that save 90% of their income. And I'm just like, that's not going to be me. That is not going to be me. So I decided that I would be comfortable saving a certain percentage. And once I've done that, I can freely spend whatever I want on anything that I want, knowing that I have taken care of my savings and like the important things have been done. And then anything else is like free game. Like I can spend my money guilt-free. So like understand, like doing that part and just taking that time and understanding your money behaviors, your money habits, your triggers, it really helps you even become consistent in whatever money plan that you create. I love that there's so much emphasis, not necessarily on numbers, because everyone's always like, I'm not good at math. I can't be good at money. And it's like, no, everything you've just said has nothing to do necessarily with numbers. It's all about that psychological aspect of money, which is so important. So I love that you started with that. So sorry, step number two. Number two is creating a money system. Some people call this budgeting, but I know when you say budget, it does not have that positive feeling for people. And I feel like creating a system is much more better than trying to budget and account for every single dollar that you spend. I think it's just not effective and consistent. Like I still budget, but the way that I budget is through a money system. So the way this money system works is that you, first of all, you list all of your expenses. So everything that you want to spend money on. So don't leave anything out. Put in the hair care, put in those manicures and pedicures, put in those um, spa visits, put in the vacation, everything, the eating out, restaurant, whatever your ideal life looks like, you have to list it down. So this is what I call your ideal budget. So that's what you would have if your life was like, if money was not a problem, what are some of the things that you envision yourself doing on a day-to-day basis? So figure out how much would I typically spend on food if I was not so worried about money? How much would I spend on this other thing, um, getting massages if money was not a problem? Write that down. And once you list that down, you tally it up and see what the total amount comes to. Now, a lot of times, what that comes to will be more than what your income is. So you can see that, okay, my ideal life right now, I'm not there yet. Or maybe it's equal to your income or even less. That's actually a good place to be. 
when you start with that list, because I think a lot of people think that, oh, I sh- maybe should not, probably should not be getting my nails. I need to save more money. We try to like convince ourselves to not do the things that we want. And I think with money is that money should serve us. We should not be serving money. Money is created. We make money so that it can serve us. And if we're not able to use money to live the life that we really want, it just lives, it just makes us have this really bad relationship with money where we feel that money is always far out of reach. But if you decide that, hey, I'm going to do the things that I want and that money that I have is going to help me live the life that I want, it helps you have a better, people call it like a money mindset with money. So once you've done that list, the next thing that you would do is break up that list into three. So ideally, you should have savings in there. So how much would you typically want to save every month? And then the second category will be your fixed expenses. So anything that you know that this is, it's going to be the same every month. So things like your mortgage, things like your car payment, your um, electricity bill, sometimes it varies Anything that is kind of consistent, but the amount varies a little bit, like things like your electricity, you can decide to take an average. So what is your typical bill for like a year? And then take the average of that and use that as the fixed number. And then the and then things like um, what else? Your phone bill, your internet, and all of these different expenses, you tally that off and that would be under your fixed expenses. And then the next one are the variable expenses. So these are things that change day to day. The biggest one is grocery. You never spend the same amount of grocery every week. So that will fall under your grocery um, expense. Now, when it comes to grocery, and, and again, people typically would say, this is how much I should be spending on groceries. No, that is not a realistic way to budget. How much do you actually spend on groceries? Because I used to do this thing where I was like, I want to like hit $50 on groceries every week. And every week I would, I would spend like $60 or $62. At some point I was like, okay, just increase this budget to 70 and leave it at that. That way, you know, you have a little bit of wiggle room because if you keep your budget very strict, you're never going to stick to it. People always ask me, how can I stick to the budget? The number one thing is because you're not creating a realistic budget. That is why you're not able to stick to it. So create what you typically would spend every week or every month. And then if you have credit cards, that would be a good place to kind of see, have an overview of how much you've been typically spending every month. Um, And then things like um, your hair care, your personal care, and all those things, just put that under your variable expense and then do a total of what all of those come to. So remember, we talked about the income and then we looked at our expenses. So if you do all of your expenses and you look at your income, let's say your all of your expenses come up to $3,500 and your income is $3,200. So you're $300 over what your budget should be. Now, what you do is you go over to your variable expenses and then start asking yourself, what can I reduce or what can I maybe alternate? Maybe this month you have um, the spa thing and then the next month you have the massage. Like you can alternate your expenses. But what you want to do is start to adjust it a little bit. The reason why I say go to the variable, I didn't talk about the fix. Because fix is fixed. You can't um, actually, we can. There's a way to actually reduce your fixed expenses. You can negotiate your bills to have those lowered 
every single year I call my phone service provider or my internet provider and tell them, hey, I see that you have a promo going on for new customers, but I've been your customer for the last 10 years. Can you give me the same plan? And every single time I've gotten what I asked for. So but the key place where you can actually start to reduce a little bit is in your variable expenses. So you kind of start to adjust some of those things. You want your income and your expenses to equal zero. So you want everything that you're spending during that month. Plus, um, and then when you look at the money that is coming in, when you subtract your expenses from your income, you want that to be zero. This is what is called the zero-based budgeting method. So once you've done all of that, uh, it might take a few, it might take a couple months. You might have to try things out and see what works for you, see the things that you like and the things that you don't like. When creating a budget, you have to kind of focus more on the things that you value. So if you value experiences, that's what should be reflected in your budget. If you're only putting material things, you're always going to have that remorseful or resentful feeling every time you spend money because now you, you're spending money on things that you don't value. So if you're um, something that you value is experiences, what will show there is like going out with family and things like that more than like buying stuff for yourself. Because when you do that stuff, you always have that feeling of, oh, I shouldn't have done this. So that was that is what should be reflected in the budget that you're creating or this plan that you start to write down. So once you've done that, income and expenses is zero. Now you have a perfect plan. You have, you've broken it down into three categories. You have enough income to support all of the things that you've written down. The next step would be to automate. Automation is just one of those things that if you're someone, especially if you're someone that is more inclined to spend you need automation in your life because there's no way, like you want to rely on willpower, but willpower is nothing. You don't have the willpower. It's not going to work. You have to create a system that will help you, that will push you to be able to stick to your budget. So one thing that I like to do is I like to split my income. So I go to payroll at work and I ask them if they can split my income into three separate bank accounts. And almost every place that I've worked, they've been able to do this. If they're not able to do three, they should be able to do at most two. So you split it into three, try and ask for three. If not three, you can do two. So what you're trying to do now is you figured out that maybe for my savings, I need $500 every month. My fixed expenses, I need $2,000 every month. My variable expenses, I need $1,000 every month. So what you do is for bank A, this is actually step step two should be open three different online bank accounts that are free, free. And these accounts should not be with the same bank. I know that sounds like a lot, but this is going to help you stick to your budget. So you remember when I was talking about how I used to like move money from my savings to my check-in, it was a lot easier because it was with the same bank. So it's easier for me to just move money. It's a lot harder for you to move money from bank to bank. So this kind of gives you that it makes it um, inconvenient for you to have access to your money. So now you know savings is savings and is in a separate bank account. Whatever money goes in there, I don't touch. That's my savings. Then you have your fixed expenses. Any money going in there is not for me to play with. That's my mortgage money. If I spend it, it's gone. 
So you have that restriction that you're giving to yourself. And then your variable expenses, this is what I call spending money. This is my money. I can do whatever I want with it. And it does not necessarily have to be restricted where maybe you say you want to spend $200 in groceries and then you have to force yourself to spend 200. Maybe you went over and it was 250. Then you know that for the nails, you have to spend $20. You can kind of move things around in that area because it's all up to you. But with your fixed expenses, there's really nothing you can do. And with your savings, you want to be able to stick to your savings goal. So once you've done that, you ask Piro, I want to put that $500 in bank A, I want to put the uh, $2,000 in bank B and the $1,000 in bank C. And then every pay, when pay comes around, the money goes into those three accounts. Now, automatically, automatically, you've saved. You did not have to force yourself to save. You've automatically, because that money goes into the account and you've already told yourself that you're not going to touch it because it's in a different bank that you don't even use for your day-to-day expenses. So that just goes in there. You forget about it. That's your savings. Then your fixed expenses, if you want to be go an extra mile, you can automate at a second layer of automation where you put all your bills on auto pay. So you can, for Canada, we have what they call the bill payee. So you can add each of these companies as a payee, and then you set up an automatic deposit at the date that your bill is due. And if you're doing that, I would suggest you actually do it two to three days before the bill due date, because it takes um, a couple business days for the transactions to go through. So um, a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to set up automatic deposits because I don't want the people to like take money from me. You don't have to set it up with the company. You can set up with your bank so that you can cancel it on your end anytime. Like if you decide like maybe I want to switch providers or something, you can set it on your own end. So once you do this, now all your bills are just automatically getting paid. Whenever it's due, you don't have to worry like, oh, I just went to Sephora. Now I don't have rent money. You don't have to deal with that. All your bills are automatically getting paid without you even doing nothing. Now, the third layer is your variable expenses. This is where all like you know how much is coming in. If you're someone that spent with a credit card, what you would do is... um you would figure out this is how much I get from my variable expenses. So this is a thousand dollars. So you give yourself a spending limit of a thousand. So if I know that I'm spending on my credit card, I can never exceed a thousand because that's the only, that's how much I have to spend every month on my variable expenses. If you're someone that is trying to pay off debt and you're, you're not as disciplined with your credit card. One thing that I did during my dare free journey was using cash. And a lot of people are going to be like, what are you talking about? Is COVID, why are you using cash? But this, this changed my life. So what I do is I withdraw the cash. I'd be like, I have like, I have a wallet that has different compartments. So I'd be like, okay, this is my grocery money. I put it in there. This is my gas money. This is my nails money. And I, I have those compartments. And then I spend and then when the cash is done, I'm like, okay, we don't have money anymore, so we can't spend any more money. And that's it. I call it a day. So when you create this money systems, now you don't have to force yourself to be a saver. You're already saving every month. Now you don't have to force yourself to think about your bills and, oh, I'm not going to be able to take care of this. It gives you that peaceful feeling where you're not worried about not being able to take care of your expenses because you went out with your friends the other day. So, and then the variable expenses, 
It also gives you this guilt-free feeling because you know now I can spend whatever is in my variable account because that's money that I already budgeted for. That's money I already planned to spend anyways. A lot of people ask me, it's like, oh, um, like I see how like you spend money on these things. Like, how do you like how are you able to spend money on yourself guilt-free? Because I budget for it. Because I budget for it. This is why I'm able to just spend it because I already made a plan to spend it. Okay. So once that is done, that's like step two. I want to stop you just before you get to the next step, because I think you're laying down a lot of really great tips. I love the tip of talking to payroll um, and getting your kind of paychecks divided up. That's a great tip because that takes it out of your hands. Putting your bill payments a few days before they're due. Awesome. Another great tip. I also am a big fan of putting your savings in a separate bank so you don't see it. Kind of um, don't know, don't tell sort of thing. Said don't you know if you don't see it, you, don't, you forget about it kind of thing. And I love the emphasis on money systems because I'm a huge fan of systems as well. And I think if once you have a system, it downloads your brain. You don't have to think about it. It just goes. So awesome. All right, let's go. What's the next step? Yeah. So the next step, and this is for people that have debt. So if you have debt, this would be um, how to pay off your debt. Um, you always want to tackle your debt because a lot of people think that it's something that's going to go away. Unfortunately, it does not go away. It does not magically go away. So the next thing you want to do is to start thinking of how you're going to pay off debt. And one of the things that another thing is that reflection. It always helps understanding how you got into the debt that you're in. If your debt is consumer debt, and this is debt from um, from things that we consume, like clothing and your day-to-day expenses, those would be considered consumer debt. And then things like student loans, um, like that student loans and what else do people owe? We have like your mortgage, for a lot of people, it's not something that you want to add to your debt payoff plan because that's something that you already have a fixed payment and you already basically have a plan to pay that off in whatever your term of your mortgage is. So that's fine. And then your car payment as well. Usually, if you have the term that you're going to pay off the car, that's usually fine. So what you want to do is gather everything. So those credit cards you've been ignoring, those bills that have gone to collections, you want to start pulling everything together. And what you want to do is understand what that number is. So how much debt do I owe? Once you've you've figured it out, um, go into a corner and cry because that's what's going to happen <laughs> once you realize how much debt you owe because this was the this is how I felt when for the longest time I did not know that I owed that much I was just like you know what it's probably around 20 grand just 20 grand that's how much I owe that's it's not going to be more than that when I tallied my debt it was $47,000 I was like what have I been doing with money? Like how, how, how is this possible? And I was just like, wow, this was like, I could not believe I was in shock. So I had to tally it up and kind of figure out, okay, what have I been spending money on? And this was how I understood like who I am, like understanding your money habits and your money triggers. Um, what I explained in step one, So once you've done that step, now you already know like, okay, this is what I've been doing. This is how I've been spending money. Now you have to like ask yourself, how can I stop? How can I stop doing the things that got me here? Um, Which is like, I call it stop the bleeding. 
Because if you're trying to pay off debt and you're still doing all the things that got you into debt, you're never going to get out of debt. So you're going to pay off that card, go back into debt, pay it off again, go back into debt, and it's just going to be an unending cycle. If you want to be debt-free and debt-free for life, you have to be able to understand what got you into that. And when I mean debt-free for life, I mean consumer debt, because I know a lot of us are going to have mortgages for a very long time. (laughs) So that's one of the things. So you want to tell you things like your student loans, your line of credit, if you want to pay off your car, like I added my car payment. I was just like, I want it all gone. Like everything was added to that pile and understanding what that number is down to the cents. Mine was, I think, $47,328.24. That's how much I owed. So I put all that together. Now you want to ask yourself, what is a realistic time plan for me to pay this debt off? You know how much income you have. You already know what your expenses are. You've done that plan. You already understand what is coming in and what's going out. What is a realistic plan for me to pay this off? So once you figure that out, um, then you you take that number. So maybe you say five years and maybe you own you owe fifty thousand dollars. You divide that by five and that's going to take you. You're going to need to pay off ten grand every year. Or what I like to do is actually divide that by the number of months so that you figure out how much you need to pay off every month. So 50 divided by 60 is my math. It's somewhere around, let's do that quick math. So 50 divided by 60. So you need around $833 every month to be able to pay off the debt that you have. So you've told yourself, I want to pay this off in five years. And that's how much you're going to need, $833. So you're going to find a way to include that in your budget. If you started this whole money system after you you figured out that you wanted to pay off debt, this could be part of you creating that money plan is finding a way to integrate your debt payments. And you're going to add it to your fixed payments so that it's so that you're able to stick to that goal. So it's going to be part of the 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 bucket that would be your fixed expenses. So now you've decided that this is how much I owe. This is a plan to pay it off. I've decided that I want to pay it off in five years and I need $833. Now is which debt do I pay off? Do I just put the whole $833 and split it five ways? Or do I focus on paying one thing first at a time? So a lot of people that have gone through the debt-free journey, they always picked a certain method. So there are two main methods of paying off debt. Does it debt snowball method. And this focuses on paying off the smallest debt first. So let's say you had $500, you had $1,000, you had another one that's like 20 grand. You focus on paying that $500 first. After that one's paid off, you take whatever minimum payment that was on that $500. So let's say your minimum payment was $10. So you take that $10, you add it to the 833. So now you have 840 four dollars that you're paying so now you're able to pay off the next debt so the next debt was a thousand dollars you're able to pay that off very quickly in like two months that's going to be gone and let's say that one thousand dollars your minimum payment was twenty dollars 
Now you add that $20 to the $843. Now you have $863. That's what you're going to be using for the next payment. So that's why they call it the snowball because as you pay off one debt, when you add the minimum payment to your that number that you say you're going to pay, up, pay your debt off with every month, it kind of increases and snowballs as you go. The second method is the debt avalanche. So this focuses on interest rates. So you want to use the highest interest rate, pay that off first, because if you have a longer term that you're paying off your debt, your interest rate is increasing and the amount of interest, sorry, your int- the amount of money that you're paying in interest is increasing. One thing that you can actually do when you start is to find a way to lower your interest rates. That's a very good thing to do is try to figure out, like you don't want your interest rates to be anything more than 10%. So if you have a credit card that is at 20%, but it's giving you points, at this at this point, <laughs> your focus should not be on the points that you're getting. Your focus should be on getting out of that. So if your credit card has all these bonuses and whatnot, But because of that, they have a higher interest rate. You want to switch to a card that has no rewards, nothing, but offers you a lower interest rate just so that you can pay that off quickly. Because interest rate compounds and it increases, like the more you leave it, the more it's going to increase every single month. So you want to have a lower interest rate. So now you've figured out, you've listed your debt from highest interest rate to lowest interest rate after you've talked to all your providers and asked them to lower it. So now you would tackle the one with the highest interest rate first. And then after that one is paid off, you'll go to the one with the second um, highest interest rate. And then you keep going till the very last. That's because the ones that are lower, they're not accumulating a lot of interest while you're paying the ones that have higher interest. So they usually say, if you're someone that focuses more on the math and how much I'm going to get out of this, you would use a debt avalanche. But if you're someone that focuses more on those quick wins, I just need to pay up this one really quick and it motivates you, you would focus on the debt snowball. I think that considering the interest is really important, right? So when you're putting money, um, when you have so much money towards going to debt repayment, you definitely want to consider the interest because unfortunately all of that doesn't go to the principal um, every time. So that is a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you start to focus, if you start to look at your statements, because once you start paying up there, you become more, um, you start to pay a little bit more attention. So when you see the statement that you get every month, you want to be looking at the principal and making sure that that number is going down significantly more than the interest that you're paying. But if you notice that your interest keeps going up and your principal just stays the same, then you need to switch the method that works better for you. So like either using the debt avalanche or the debt snowball. Um, The third method, this is what I created and what I use is the debt tornado method. And this uses a mixture of the debt snowball and the debt avalanche, but the focus is on getting rid of the debt that annoys you the most. So these are just things that you, it kind of reminds you of who you were or what happened during that phase. For me, there are things that I just, I could not, I just wanted to get rid of those things because it just kept reminding me of all the mistakes that I made. And it kept making me feel that shame and that guilt that you have when it comes to paying off debt. So when you're paying off something that annoys you, you're super motivated to pay that thing off. For some people, it might be um, a bill, like it could be like, 
something that you accumulated when you were dating someone and you're just like, this is just a reminder of this person. So I just want to pay that off and get it over with. Um, so that's a method that I used, or it could be something that maybe you owe family and that's starting to cause tension between you and that family member. And even though they're not asking for interest, ideally you want to wait until you're done paying off all of your debt before you pay that person back. But this person needs that money to do something very important. So it would, I would not be able to live with myself saying, um, can you wait another two or three years while I pay off my own debt, while this person's waiting for you. So at this point, it just makes sense to just pay that person back and move on. So that's what I call the debt that annoys you the most. So you kind of just pick it up as you go, but still being cognizant and trying to like make the math and all of that work for you. So for me, I kind of started with like the personal loan. So anybody that I owed personally, I just paid that off. And then I went with, um, I think another, it was a 0%, but it, it was going to, it, the, the grace period was going to end soon. So that had to go and just kind of figuring out like, what is the fine balance between the two? So it's kind of, you just, tailoring it to how it suits you. So sometimes you'll be paying off the lower debt and sometimes you'll be paying off a higher interest and it's all up to you. So that's the end of step three. All right. So real quick, let's jump into step four um, and let's figure out what the last step is. Yeah. So last step is just paying yourself first. And we hear this a lot. And what is pay yourself first? This is making sure that your future is also secure. So you're not just worrying about like what I have to do today. It's making sure that you are also taken care of and paying yourself first. If you created that money system in step two, it's going to be super easy to pay yourself first because you've already created a money system where your the money just comes into your savings account, right? So now what do you do with that savings? The first thing you want to do is create an emergency fund. An emergency fund is saving for things that you don't foresee are going to happen. So um, things like your roof falls falls into your, I don't know, your roof breaks and falls in, your basement floods and things like that. These are not things that you really anticipate are going to happen. So you want to have a, an emergency fund, ideally three to six months of expenses, but it's all up to you based on your personal circumstance. The second thing you want to do is create a sinking fund. Sinking fund is saving for things that you anticipate, but you don't have room in your budget to squeeze that in. So maybe you're saving for a car. You want to buy a car. You figure out, I'm going to need this car in the next two years. How much do I need to save for it? So you start saving for that and putting that in a sinking fund. Or maybe you want to go on vacation and you don't, like things like that will be things that you put in the sinking fund. And then the most important step is investing. Investing is kind of saving for the future. So you're putting money into something, an asset that's going to increase in value in the future. And then when you sell that thing off, it generates a gain for you. So that's what investing is all about. The second way you can make money with investing is through dividends, where you have to do nothing. You just sit down and money comes into your account. I know a lot of people talk about passive income, passive income, but like, all of those things are not passive. Dividends is one of the most passive ways to make money. So when you figured out how to pay yourself first, 
Now you've you started investing. You're investing a certain part of your paycheck. And with investing, you can be as basic as possible. I call myself the lazy investor. I invest in index funds and ETFs because like you don't have to do all of the work. People are like, oh, I'm afraid of losing money. But when you look at the history of index funds, you've seen that, especially if you're investing in something that um, tracks the overall market, you see that over time, it always goes up. And we've got some great sessions um, specific to investing, both dividend investing and just getting started investing. So if you're kind of like, oh my gosh, this seems like so much, there are some sessions um, in this year summit specific to investing. So doing that, knowing that now you've created a system where, um, because one thing that I like to focus on is having that balance because people tend to focus on today. They're like, oh, I want to, like, I have bills to pay. I have to spend my money. I have to enjoy my money. But they don't think about tomorrow. Like, what's going to happen? And tomorrow, when you think about tomorrow, you're thinking about, some people think about 30 years from now. Tomorrow can be five years from now. When you, the steps that you take today is what's going to actually help you have a better tomorrow. That tomorrow could be two years from now. It could be three years from now. So when you start all of these things, like you're making sure you have a money system, you're budgeting, you've paid off debt, you're saving, you're investing. Now you have a full balanced money system and everything is just working for you. You can be at peace. That should be your main goal when it comes to money, just being in that overall sense of ease and peace and never having to worry about money. That is truly how you give a dime about your money. That is a great um, feeling to achieve. So wanting to get that peace, I think that is a great goal. It makes it, it makes you want to feel good, right? Like it's definitely where you want to go. So Edouard, I want to thank you. That is, you have provided us with a ton of information. I know I was taking notes as we went. Um, I'm going to probably have to watch it again a few times just to kind of get it all. So I want to thank you for all of that. If you watching are ready to take control of your finances, make sure to connect with Edouard. Um, She has an ebook to share with you. Can you just give us a quick little tip about that and where we can find that? So in the ebook, I talk about how to I even go into more details talking about how to pay off debt, how to increase your credit score, how to increase your income. Because if you're that person where your expenses was looking more than the income, you're going to have to like up that income if you don't want to take anything out of your expenses. So we talk about that. And I also give a little bit of how to reduce taxes and what you need to do before you get started with investing. So all of that is in that ebook. Awesome. That sounds like a big ebook, a great ebook. And you are sharing it with our um, attendees for free and they can just click on the button near this video and they can go ahead and get that from you. So Edouard, I want to thank you very much for your time. This has been super informative. Thanks, Edouard. Thanks for having me.